Welcome to Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff, where we interview newsmakers, storytellers, and all-around interesting people. Sit back, relax, uh, unless you're driving, and enjoy the show. Here's Jackson. Hello, hello, hello. I am Jackson Huff. This is Not in a Huff. Thanks so much for joining me. As always, really appreciate it. This week, I'm interviewing Lucy Westlake. Now, Lucy is an amazing young person doing some awesome things. You know I don't like to dwell on on age. We dwell on it just a moment here because she's the youngest person to do several things. The youngest American woman to reach the summit of Mount Everest. One of the youngest people to reach the highest peak, highest elevation in all 50 states. We joke about that because obviously there's some states that the highest uh, elevation is is nothing more than a basically a speed bump, if you will. Uh, but that's why we're we're kind of talking about the youngest part of things. But she's done such amazing things, scaling Mount Everest. That's one thing. That's one thing all in itself. That's a major thing. Uh, but just the countless mountains that she's she's scaled, the peaks that she's reached, you know, between Denali and Alaska, of course, Mount Everest, Kilimanjaro, all of these amazing, uh, famous peaks that she has, uh, she's scaled is just really, really cool. At a young age, or even as an adult, obviously, I'm, I'm pretty confident that most of us are sitting here listening, having done none of those. So it doesn't even matter that she's young, just doing that in her life, period, is it would just be a fascinating conversation. So I really, really enjoyed speaking with Lucy. We're going to go into what it was like, you know, scaling Mount Everest, what it has been like scaling all of these other mountains, what it even means to be a mountaineer versus a mountain climber, what it uh, what it's like to to compete in in some of these other challenges that she she's competing in between scaling all the highest mountains reaching the north and the south pole all these amazing things that she is uh she's currently doing and trying to be the youngest to do Um, she also right after our interview which was a few weeks ago she was flying to california and taking part in the espies which is the espn award ceremony for doing amazing things at a young age. Uh, the Billie Jean King Award is is what she received. That has already aired. You can go watch the ESPYs um, from this year, 2022, and see Lucy Westlake be honored. She was just gearing up for that when, when uh, we had our conversation and super excited about that. But I think the important part of that is to see that uh, you know, that award is for people, young people doing amazing things outside of sports the sporting world and her scaling these mountains is absolutely amazing and awesome all in its own but then the other side of things and working with uh, some communities in africa working with uh, making sure that people are provided clean accessible drinking water she's just she's an amazing person she's got such a bright future ahead we're going to talk about what some of that future is um, we're going to talk about mountain climbing, what got her into it, her experiences, preparing for the ESPYs. Just such such an amazing conversation. I know you're going to be inspired by this one. Here is Lucy Westlake. I'm here today with Lucy Westlake. Lucy, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate it very much. 
Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you. I'm excited to talk to you as well. I got a lot of questions for you. And uh, the first one, I guess, is just introduce us to Lucy. Yeah, so um, I'm 18 years old and I am a mountaineer and runner. Um, I most recently, uh, this past May, actually became the youngest American woman to summit Everest. Mm-hmm. So that is um, my my latest, you know, big um, kind of like big accomplishment. Um, but I've been climbing since I was seven years old. And um, upcoming, I'm coming, I'm going to be running at University of Southern California in the fall cross country and track. So I'm super excited for that too. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like my background, but um, there's a lot to get into, I'm sure. Oh yeah. that You you said that's your kind of your latest thing, but you, you've done a lot. So that latest thing is huge, but there's a lot before that too. And I want to get into that, but I want to kind of go back to the beginning and what, I mean, what created this adventurous spirit? Has your family always been something? somebody who just goes out and does crazy stuff did you kind of pull everybody along with you how did that happen yeah so my family is never mountaineers um but we are always um yeah very adventurous people um love the outdoors love nature um so when when i was younger i was always just very exposed to that um and uh, my family actually stumbled upon um high pointing um, very, when I was seven years old, uh, just kind of, we were out on a mission trip with our church and someone down the road was like, Oh, like there's the high point of Kentucky right down the road. So we went and did that and just loved the idea, the concept of, um, you know, being the tallest person in the state because high pointing is going and climbing the top of every, um, state. So that was just so super cool. My family travels a lot. So, um, so we all got into that, but my brother wasn't so into it. Um, so my mom used to stay back with him and it kind of became my dad um, and me's um, our adventure. So, um, so that's, yeah, that's, it's really become my passion since then. And my dad, um, I kind of pull him along, but he's, he, he loves it too. But yeah, he, he definitely, he does it. He does it for me. So I'm really blessed to have him as a climbing partner. Yeah, absolutely. And I heard you in another interview, which we may get into later on when we talk a little bit about some of your treks, but you talked about how you're kind of the more, you know, technically savvy person in this and you kind of are, are leading him, which I always thought was kind of interesting that you're the, you're the leader of the, of the group. Yeah, yeah, it is kind of, you know, a role reversal in a way, like you would, from what you would think. Um, but yeah, my dad is, he's very, very kind of like ADHD, like doesn't like, he can't focus super well. So, so he, yeah, I definitely am better with, with like the ropes, the technical side of climbing. Um, and we, we haven't, we just have learned, you know, along the way, along our climbing Um uh, my first mountain I really learned technical skills on is Mount Rainier, um, which is the highest mountain um, in the lower 48 um, high points, the continental, or sorry, it's not the the high point, but it's like the hardest mountain um, out of the lower 48. Mount Whitney in California is actually the highest, uh, but sometimes highest isn't the hardest. So, uh, so that's the mountain I did when I was 11, and I just learned how to use ice axe, crampons, all of all of that gear, um, which was which is amazing. And I've been using a lot since in, in my mountaineering. But that's yeah, that's where we we really learn together how to how to use that stuff. And he can use that. But just, yeah, the ropes and, and more that angle. Um, I, I am more kind of a leader in that aspect. Yeah, well, leader or not, both of you guys, I, I'm just kind of in awe of just be, I've watched several of your YouTube videos, some of these 
you know, things that you've done. I, in my old age now, I have realized that I'm a little bit afraid of heights. Just watching your videos just almost sends my heart like, oh my God, I would not be able to do this. So I, yeah, I more power to both of you. I think that's awesome. And you've, you know, you've mentioned both words, mountaineering and climbing. Um, I know they're kind of a little bit different. What to tell us kind of what the difference is between those two. Yeah. So climbing is more of um, what I think of climbing. It's more like rock climbing almost um, kind of that, you know, that like free solo aspect where you're, you're like actually on the rock. Um, mountaineering is more like glacier, um, glacier, I almost it's a mix between like hiking and climbing almost um so it depends on the mountain um what you actually have to do sometimes it does require actual like rock climbing sometimes it requires ice climbing sometimes it's just you know hiking across a glacier sometimes it's hiking across you know rock stone so it kind of is like more of an all-encompassing turn uh, term of just you know you get to the top of the mountain um however you can um so I've done um I've done a a bit of everything um, with my mountaineering just over over the years. Um, I would say the thing I've probably done least is is rock climbing, just because only one of the mountains I've ever um, kind of set my sights on has had that. But I really want to you know get more into that that aspect of cli- of mountaineering because I really I really like that. It's one of my favorite parts that I've done, and I really like the more like technical parts like that, the the climbing the ice climbing, which I haven't done much ice climbing either, but it's um, in the Kumbu ice fall. That's the most technical part of Everest. Um, there was, there was a good amount of, of uh, vertical, vertical pitches. So that was um, really fun to do. And that was like my favorite part. So yeah, it's, it's, um it's something I, the, the climbing and mountaineering, and it's a very, it, there are slightly different terms, but it's a very all encompassing sport when you get into it. No, I, I, that makes sense. I'm sure you have to be able to do both of them to be successful in the things that you've done for sure. You know, you, I know that you, you, you kind of hold the, the distinction of being the youngest, uh, this and the youngest woman to do other things. Was this something that you set out to, to do? Is that, was that the plan? Or once you realized it, it was kind of a mad r- rush to, I guess, be the youngest. Cause obviously you never get younger every day. You're getting a little older. So is there a, yeah. was there kind of a, a rush to, to get that done or was it just like, Oh, that's awesome. Didn't know that was the case at all. Oh, uh, kind of a combination. So when I first started high pointing, um, I, I just, we didn't really, I didn't really think I was going to do all 50 even, um, didn't really have that goal in mind. Um, but like the more and more I did, I, and actually after Mount Rainier, after that, I was like, I want to do all 50. And I decided that, and I was 11 years old and the, the record for the youngest um, person to summit all 50 state high points uh, was 19. So I had um, a very long time to do that. So, um, so I was like, wow, like this is something I could definitely do. Um, so then that kind of became my goal, you know, to not only do all 50, but to become the youngest um, woman to do that. Mm-hmm. So that definitely, that's kind of how that goal um, came about. But then after I completed that um, about a little over a year ago now, um, I then kind of set my sights on being the youngest person to do the Explorers Grand Slam. And that, um, and I've been doing a few mountains, like I actually I've already climbed when I set that goal three of the, of the seven 
um, highest mountains each in each continent, um, which the Explorers Grand Slam is um, climbing to the top of each continent, the highest mountain in each continent, and then also skiing to the last degree of the North and the South Poles. Um, so I had already done three of them and um, the youngest person is 20. So that is more of like, I initiated that, um, that like desire to, you know, to really actually try to break a record. Um, with my high pointing, it was more just like, you know, I love being in the mountains. I love adventuring. And then it just kind of happened to, to work out. Um, but yeah, but this goal is definitely like one that's set and one that I am on a bit of a time crunch for, for sure. Because, um, I'm 18 and a half. So I have like a year and a half to do the other, the, um, two more high points of the different continents. I have Antarctica's high point and Oceania's high point. Then also skied to the last degree in the North and South poles. And, and just the, the money that it takes to do that, the time it takes to do that is, is definitely challenging, especially going into college and starting going to be running. So, um, so I hope that all works out, but yeah, definitely time crunch right now. Yeah, no, it, it sounds like it. I'm going to, I want to talk about the Explorers Grand Slam a little bit more later. Uh, but yeah, the, you know, the 50 high points in, in all, you know, every state, obviously there's some, some very challenging ones kind of on, out West and probably in the Appalachians and all that. But I just want to hear, I guess I'm from Indiana. You're from Illinois. Did you even realize you had the highest point when you came to Indiana <laughs> or to Illinois? Because the, I think you could drive by that and miss it. So how was yeah. that? Was that a challenging one for you? It's true. Definitely. Yeah, no, neither of those are challenging, but there's a little marker at the top of each high points, like a little, it's almost like a pin. And that's like how, you know, and sometimes you really have to look for that. Like sometimes it's hard to find. I remember, so I think it was like Florida or somewhere like that. It was just in the middle of like this neighborhood. And like, we were like walking around this neighborhood trying to find this little pen, like, where is mm. this? So yeah, sometimes they can be so, they can be so hard to miss. And it's really one of the things I loved about um, high pointing and the adventure of it is that you'll see places in the country that you would never, ever, you know, mm. just see, uh, like you wouldn't go to the middle of Kansas and go to Mount Sunflower normally, but, um, but yeah, and you get to know the country really well um, by doing that. So that's, something i really like about it actually absolutely yeah i if you want a, a laugh go on TripAdvisor sometime the highest point in indiana is hoosier hill i mean it's like 1200 feet elevation it's not it's nothing and some people write on there like i saw the marker i was just out walking my dog and then i realized oh i'm at the highest point like it's just no one even really knows because it's it's nothing so i always think that's kind of funny that people just stumble across it obviously you know one of one of the biggest mountains you've done so many many things but the one that everyone knows is of course mount everest you did that relatively recently like a year ago tell us a little mm -hmm. bit about that experience i know there's a ton of people that do like the 14 to 20 day trek to base camp but that's just part of it and then there's so much more to it so talk a little bit about that experience yeah so in total it took me 27 days um up and down to climb everest and um i did it yeah, not not too long ago at all. It was an amazing experience. Um, I went up, 
I would trek to base camp that took me eight days. And I actually went with the team um, with my dad. He went with me to up to base camp um, and then 10 other people, just like family and friends. So it was super cool to just, you know, be with people that I love and, and connect with people I haven't seen in a while. So um, and up to base camp, it's it's basically like hard hiking, I'd say. It's not it's I wouldn't call it mountaineering. You're not on. Um, glacier at all you don't need technical gear it's just you know some long hikes um, which are absolutely gorgeous Um, you get to go over these like suspended bridges and the Himalayas are absolutely breathtaking so I totally see why people would do that I definitely recommend because to get to base camp like you do you definitely have to be in shape and it is at at 17,000 feet of elevation so altitude you never really know how altitude is going to affect your body until you're there it hits it hits a lot of people in a lot of different ways. Um, so that um, like not everyone makes it to base camp because of the altitude as well, but just like, I mean, it's a great way to begin getting into the mountains and uh, that's an amazing goal for, for a lot of people. Um, and then after base camp, the real like mountaineering starts. So you get on, you know, you start using your crampons, your ice axe, you have all your ropes and your harness um, and actually the day after base camp there's four camps above base camp till you get to the summit and from base camp to camp one is a is a very like technical dangerous part of the mountain called the kumbu icefall and that's a part that that gets a lot of people for sure um just a lot of times you have to turn around and it's also very dangerous in the in the icefall it's constantly changing every day there's avalanches all the time and you actually have to like jump over crevasses you know climb over ladders across crevasses and do some vertical climbing so it's definitely very very difficult very physically mentally emotionally challenging um and then from there we actually um, we do this thing called acclimatizing um, in the mountains because you're at such a high elevation. I mean, the top of Everest is 29,029 feet. Um, and that is a very, I mean, tallest point in the world. It's very high. Um, so it's, you feel, you would feel so bad if I don't, it would be almost near impossible to just go up and, and summit like quickly without being acclimatized. So um, what we do is we go up on the acclimatization route is what it's called. Um, And it's basically just climbing higher and then going back and resting lower on the mountain so that your body gets used to the altitude. um, And then you're able to, to climb much more easily. Um, so my, so it took us eight days, um, to go to base camp and then me and my Sherpa were the only ones from there on out. And we did a four day acclimatization route up to camp three and back down to base camp and then rested at base camp for four days. Just, uh, we were at the very beginning of the climbing season. So we had to wait for all the ropes to be put in for everything to be checked. Um, and then as soon as that was ready, we went up and it took us a week in total up and down, um, back to base camp to this base camp to the summit and back to base camp. So that was, yeah, that was kind of how that, that trip looked. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you later on about kind of surprising details of mountaineering and climbing, but that's the one that I had heard before that just kind of surprised me in the past. It makes total sense, but just the need to, you know, not just go, you have to acclimate, you know, when I've watched videos of people doing even base camp, like they stay in one spot for like a day just to kind of get used to the elevation and then before they move on. So there's always those rest days for, for elevation, which makes sense, but something I never would have even thought about. 
Yeah, for sure. It's definitely a side of mountaineering that's not like super publicized or like, yeah, super. It's not like, you know, you, you see a bunch of people like climbing on cliffs and like doing all this hardcore stuff. But there's a lot that goes into that. A lot of just technical aspects. Yeah. And you mentioned it was you and your Sherpa. Did your dad, dad not go with you on this trip? Yeah, this is actually my first summit I did without him just oh. because the cost of Everest is so is so high that yeah. that we couldn't afford to bring two people up there. So so I just went alone. And yeah, it was it was a crazy experience just being on the mountain for the first time without without my dad, just me and and my Sherpa, who I loved my Sherpa, but it it was definitely, yeah, very different. And um, I did get one of the hardest parts, actually probably the hardest part for me was just being away from like home for that long. Because usually my dad is like kind of my tie to home up there on the mountains and just being completely, you know, alone for like for almost 20 days um, is it's hard for sure. Not knowing a bunch of people up there. So yeah, I would, I would get, get pretty homesick at times, but yeah, that was, that was definitely a challenging part for me. I can only imagine just being away somewhere kind of new and, and foreign is, is already scary enough, but then to be doing something like that, I can, I can only imagine just the, the mental aspect of that. And that's kind of what I'm going to talk about next. I heard you say before that, you know, the mental side of, of mountaineering climbing is half the battle, if not more. So talk a little bit about the mental aspects of, uh, you know, doing all these things. Yeah. Mountaineering is more, I mean, every sport has their, that mental aspect to it, but mountaineering more than any other sport has that, that huge like mental side of it. That's, that's honestly more important than the physical one. And um, I mean, you're just hiking for hours and hours on end. Like our, our summit day was 15 hours in total. And just to have the mental like abilities, the mental um, grit to, to keep going for 15 hours, just one foot in front of the other, even though your body might feel absolutely horrible and you might be tired, you might be cold. Um, there's so many, there's so many elements that, that could turn you around and, and having that mental, like, yeah, that just that mental ability to, to accept the challenge and to, to really thrive in that, in that, um, in that domain is, is super important to climbing and it's super hard. I mean, you're being on the mountain for 27 days is very challenging. No, you know, no showers, no, uh, like the food isn't great. It's yeah. It's not luxurious at all. Yeah. I'm sh I'm sure of that. Yeah. I know that you, your mantra is that limits are perceived, but let's say that, you know, those limits sometimes do limit you and do just that. Talk about how you kind of overcome failure and overcome things that don't go exactly the way that, that you hope. Cause I'm sure that happens at least on a semi-regular basis when you're trying to do these things, nature doesn't always, uh, you know, work in your favor. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, how I kind of have um, overcome challenges, uh, over the years is just to, to really like trust and in, in my own abilities and to also, um, just like trust that I, I'm a very strong Christian. So I, I trust that, you know, God has like a plan in, in everything that happens in the mountains. Like even, I mean, before you go in the mountains, you have to know the risks and that really accepts those risks because there's always a chance that you won't come back. I mean, you're going into very unknown territory, territory that is constantly changing and is very dangerous. Um, so just really accepting that and, and wanting to do it anyway. Um, that that's that's something that 
that is challenging for a lot of people, but I just, I can't stay away from the mountains. I love them so much. Um, uh, maybe too much, but, um, but yeah, I, when I'm like, after turnaround, there was a mountain, uh, when I was 13 to, uh, we were actually going to summit the last mountain that I had to complete the 50 state high points, Denali. Um, and I, we got all the way to high camp. It took us 21 days and there was an accident on the mountain. And just for reasons that we couldn't control, we couldn't go up they made us turn around and we couldn't, we didn't even get a chance to attempt the summit, which was really, really challenging, really hard for me, um, to accept that. And, and, um, I didn't like for a few years after that, I didn't even know if I wanted to continue mountaineering just because I put so much time and energy and effort, you know, into, into climbing into this climb and not, I couldn't, I didn't even get the chance to summit. And that's when I really realized like in those years that I was away from the mountains, um, that I, I don't really, you know, I don't climb for the summit. I climb because I just love the experience. I love the mountains. I love that that adrenaline you get when you're up there and just being completely surrounded by nature, uh, completely immersed and by yourself. And that's when you like, you learn so much about yourself. You learn so much about the world around you, the people around you um, in, in those environments. So that's really, that's why I love climbing and, and to push my limits to see how far my body can go. And ever since then, like, even if I have to, you know, I have to turn around, even there's a, on Everest one day, we had to turn around um, and go back down because conditions were bad. And I wasn't sure if we were going to be able to go back up. And it was scary. I, it was, it was really challenging, but, but just accepting that, like knowing that there's, there's some purpose in that um, has, has really helped me get through the challenges. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of maybe a, a silly question though, but when you look at mountains, obviously they're, you know, they're a, a peak peak, when, when we're talking about summits, is it literally the exact top of this mountain? Do they kind of determine where the summit is or are you really going to nothing but sky above you? Yeah, nothing but sky above you. The summit is like literally the highest spot on the mountain. So wherever that is, you got to get to. Yeah, that's, that's something. And we, you know, you talked about doing Mount Everest on your own and kind of leaving, leaving family behind either base camp or, or somewhere else. The other mental side of things you talked about, you know, the the summit in Alaska and how you had to turn around the first time. If I remember correctly, you know, that accident had resulted in someone, you know, losing their life. So obviously this mm-hmm. is a huge thing. And now to do it alone and leave your family behind and people know the Everest is, I mean, it's more, I guess it's more likely that it's not successful um, than, you know, just walking around in a foreign country. So what was it like? you know, knowing that you're leaving your family behind and, you know, it's possible something doesn't go, doesn't go well. So that would be a huge mental aspect for you and your family. I feel like maybe harder for them because they're just helpless waiting, hoping everything's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it might be harder for them. Cause yeah, I have like control over, over how things go or at least some control <laughs> more than them. And they're just waiting there. Um, so yeah, it is, it's really hard to say goodbye. It is, especially, um, when this was my first time I had to say goodbye to everyone because usually I have my dad there with me. But yeah, saying goodbye to him was a lot harder than I expected because I was like, oh, like I was kind of excited. I was like, I'm going to climb this mountain by myself for the first time. I want that independence. It's going to be great. But then, yeah, it was, it was really hard um, to just not have him there. So so that was 
challenging for for sure and then saying goodbye to my mom every time is really hard to my brother um but they they just have so much faith in me so much confidence that has really grown over time like when I was little it was definitely harder for my mom to let me go even though the mountains were little like she knows she has faith in my abilities now and and so do I I almost it's just such an amazing thing that a lot of people probably 90 percent of the mountains that you've done are like the tallest most people have done, period. So I'm just wondering if it's almost became a, I don't know, I don't want to say you've been jaded to it, but you and your family, like these huge accomplishments, it's almost like, oh, that's just, that's just Lucy. She's, she's able to do these things. So I just wonder where you're at with that. Cause there's a lot of people doing really, really amazing things. I've talked to them over the years and they almost, you know, start getting a little bit used to doing such awesome things that they forget just how you know, amazing of the things that they're doing is. So I don't, it's probably hard for you even to answer that, but do you ever feel like you ever have to take a step back and realize this is a pretty big thing and I'm just doing it like nothing. Oh yeah, for sure. Especially like, yeah, these, like when you get to the summit of a mountain, like every mountain's a little different and everyone, like you have that like thrill of, but then, but yeah, it does get a little like, like you, you get used to it, you know, like you get used to like getting to the summit, you get used to, um, to seeing like these beautiful peaks and the glaciers and everything. And, and you definitely get a little numb to like, um, especially to the fear of, of like heights and everything. That's where I've noticed kind of getting jaded the most is, Mm -hmm. is like that fear aspect just gets kind of less and less the more you do it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and yeah, like sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish this was like my first peak, you know, um, like just having that feeling of summiting your first mountain is, um, is amazing. Like, yeah, you don't, you don't get that again. You really don't. Um, but, but it's still, it's always amazing. Yeah. Do you have any, any traditions once you do get to the summit, whether it's eating the candy bars, screaming at the top of your lungs, anything you do when you're up there? No, honestly, I no. just take it all in. Yeah. yeah that's a good thing nothing too crazy, but, but yeah, I always, always take a picture with the top just to, you know, have yeah. that proof. But, but other than that, yeah, no, that would be, that'd be a good one though. Eat yeah. Something cool. <laughs> yeah. And how long are you able to stay on the top? I don't know whether you've got, I mean, I don't even know if these are true, but I, I've seen things with Everest, how there's a ton of people trying to do it and people have to just move on. So are you spending days and days and then you're at the top and it's like, all right, it's time to come back down. We've been up here for 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I, actually that there is, um, line sometimes on Everest for sure. Um, but for us, uh, there is, it was more of a line when we actually started the, um, the last, the summit day, which we started at 9 PM and, um, we had like 30 minutes of clear hiking. And then after that, we just hit this long, long line of people, which was awful. Um, just cause yeah, you take a few steps and then you're just standing there waiting, um, and I was like falling asleep in this line. It was a horrible, um, but, and it's really one way traffic on Everest. Like there's, it's a one lane road because you have these fixed lines, uh, which are basically like lines that are, that are anchored into the mountain from base camp, almost all the way to the top that you're supposed to be constantly roped into. It's really hard to get around people. Um, and it's really, yeah, just like a one lane road. But um, luckily uh, being uh, my Sherpa allowed me, you know, to kind of like get off of that and, and just clip our, our harnesses together. So we had a little bit of safety and, and hike around some people, but mm. that was just really hard in itself because the, there's no pack trail. When you're going around people, you're falling into like snow up to your, up to your knees, up to your thighs, which is, 
so hard to hike in. So luckily by the, by the time we got to the summit, we were actually one of the first people to get there. So there was a lot, not very much traffic at all, probably like 10, 15 other people up there. And I was able to be on the top very good, like 25 minutes um, around that time. So that was awesome. No, absolutely. And I think that's probably something else that would surprise people that there is like a, a line to, to head up to the top. I think people think of envision these things as you're almost doing it on your own. So I want to kind of get into that. What are maybe some surprising parts of, of climbing and climbing these really major mountains, whether it's things that are easier that people think would be harder, things that are harder that people think would be easier or funny details or anything surprising? Yeah, I'd say, um, well, with the, with the whole like climbing and not being on your own, definitely depends on the mountain a lot. Everest has become a very, you know, publicized mountain, a thing that a lot of people want to do. And there's been about 4,000, only about 4,000 people ever to summit Everest. Mm -hmm. But a lot of them have been in the past, you know, the past few years, it's been getting very, um, yeah, very just uh, well-known, very sought after. Um, so, so yeah, there can be lines, which is, um, definitely annoying sometimes. And also one of the reasons of, is behind that is because the climbing season for Everest is like for these big mountains, it's very short. It's like mm. a month and a half, two months at the most. Mm. And in those few months, there's only a few good, really good weather windows, really good days. So if like everyone who's climbing the Everest, like, is trying to summit that day like that it's there's very few days that you can summit so that's why the, that line is becomes you know such a such a thing such a big deal um but uh some some other kind of just like interesting um facts is i'd say some of the, one of the hardest parts that people don't really think about is just like the logistics behind like eating and going to the bathroom and things like that because you're just roped up constantly when you're climbing and even when you're not you know roped up you're you're carrying all your gear up so it has to be very light um so we have these like jet boil stoves where they're just gas so you, you don't carry your own water up um it, well when there's snow at least on the mountain because that would just create a whole new element that would make your pack so so heavy um it would be impossible to carry water for like 27 days on your, on the mountain. So, um, so yeah, so we basically, we melt water or we melt snow to create water. So the main thing, like a very important part is gas, bringing enough gas, um, because you're, yeah, you got to connect your stove, do it, got to melt the snow to get water. And then, um, with food, you basically just bring, you know, freeze dried meals, which is, um, just a bag that you can pour boiling water into and it creates, it like makes the meal for you, which nowadays actually they've gotten really, really good. Like I actually really mm. enjoy uh, like some freeze dried meals mm. for sure. It's like some of them are delicious. Um, and then just snacks too. My favorite snacks. I always have these like three snacks that I only eat on the mountain because uh, they're like special for the mountain. Mm. And it's like these specific like bars of chocolate. They're like little chocolate, you know, like balls um, gummy worms and then Oreos. Those are my three things that, that it's just like what you crave up on at altitude is different for everyone's body. And for me, it's like simple sugars, um, is what I crave. I can't eat like nuts or anything. It's too, I just like, well, you just get so nauseous uh, with some things. Altitude is very strange how it hits your body and, and just lack of appetite is a big, is a big thing up there. So, um, so you got to have the food that works for you for sure. 
yeah, I was with you for these like specific balls, but you're telling me you only eat Oreos on a mountain. Oreos are a big staple. You, you're like, nah, I don't eat, I don't eat them other than when you're climbing. Yep. Just when I'm climbing. All right. Well, I guess that just keeps you on the mountains more so you can eat those Oreos. Right? <laughs> exactly. That's all, the only reason I go up there. There you go. Yeah. Tell us more about the Explorers Grand Slam. You told us what it was, but where are you at currently with it? I know when you kind of set out, you said you'd already done three. Are you still at three? Or I think you've got more done now, right? Yeah. Now I've done, I've actually done five of them now. So mm-hmm. I've, I've done um, Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa, um, Denali, the highest one in North America. Um, Aconcagua is the highest one in South America. And then also Mount Elbrus, which is the highest one in Europe. So I have, um, oh, and Everest, which is the highest one in Asia. <laughs> so uh, right now I have um, Antarctica, um, which is Mount Vincent, is the highest mountain in Antarctica. And then also th- that same expedition, I'll ski to the South Pole, the last degree of that. Um, and then another expedition is to uh, the highest mountain, Oceana, which is Karsten's Pyramid um, in Papua New Guinea. And then uh, um, going to the North Pole as well, skiing the last degree of the North Pole. So that's what's up next. <laughs> well, that's awesome. So people listening to this, I always like to just kind of, I guess, clear any of the the fog. You talked about how you know, your dad didn't go with you on Everest because it is a expensive thing and you're doing all these amazing things. Do you, I mean, do you fundraise for this? Or are you just... I mean, are you just blessed or a lot of people are going to listen to this and think, well, this sounds great, but this is just, they can just see the dollar sign. So it's not a, it's not a cheap thing. So I always like to point that out for, for people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's definitely not. And actually the biggest struggle for me right now is just fundraising mm-hmm. uh, because yeah, these mountains are so expensive and yeah, my family doesn't have the funds to, to just, you know, be able to climb all these mountains without help. Um, so for Everest, I was actually blessed to receive um i was the recipient of a grape nuts uh, like literally the cereal grape nuts mm. um they they gave out a um this kind of like scholarship this grant for for different women uh, for 10 different women uh this year to celebrate their 125th anniversary mm. um and it was basically women who are pioneering in the outdoors that are you know doing things that that not a lot of people do because um, mountaineering is definitely a very male dominated sport for sure. Um, and my Everest climb, one of the things I, you know, was really publicizing um, is, you know, to help with raise awareness and get more women in the outdoors because um, yeah, it's something uh, women and young people are, are very underrepresented groups for sure. So, so yeah, so it was amazing um, to receive. I received, um, you know, $12,500 from them, which put a huge dent in my Everest cost, which is amazing. And then I have some corporate sponsors too um, from, from you know, the city like Naperville, which is uh, where I live. Um, and then I, yeah, I'm just, I have a GoFundMe page where I raise money, um, which is just, you know, Lucy Climbs is the GoFundMe and I'm raising money for all my climbs that way. Uh, so that that's been a huge help. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm definitely just like, you know, looking for sponsors, trying to get sponsorships, things like that uh, to, to help fund these climbs. Um, yeah. But, and I, I actually started an Etsy shop as well, but that hundred percent of the donations actually go to safe water projects, which is one of my big passions. So, um, so that's, that's been amazing as well. Lots of fundraising. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's almost weird to say, believe me, I wish you said, nah, my family just serves bankrolling it all and it's all good. But I feel like it almost I- means more, <laughs> it almost means more that you are, you know, 
fundraising and that you, I, I mean, anyone can just throw money at stuff and make it happen, but to really put all the effort into it, I think it just makes it more special. Maybe while Thank you're in the nitty gritty and fundraising, you don't feel like it, but I think in the end of the day, it probably is more special that way. Yeah, true. You, you appreciate it a lot more. And it's, that's one of the aspects of mountaineering that I don't love is how like exclusive it is with the money. Mm-hmm. Like it has, it's a sport that you have to have a lot of money to do. So, and there are, there are major, amazing, you know, foundations out there that definitely, you know, try to try to equal the playing field, but yeah. it is it's still a big problem. Yeah. Yeah. And we, you know, you, you talked just in, just in the Explorers Grand Slam, some of the awesome places you've been to scale these mountains. And then you've been a lot of other places too. You talked about in the middle of Kansas and how you were able to see uh, areas that you never would have, but that kind of brings up a good question where you're going all these amazing places and these, you know, these treks, these expeditions take, you know, upwards of two weeks to a month to complete are you able to ever build in time to, you know, while you're in Africa to explore, which may be a bad one. Cause I know you do some, some kind of mission work there too, but, um, or when you're in Alaska to actually explore, or is it kind of get in, get out? I only have a certain amount of time. I got to do this mountain. And unfortunately I wasn't able to do much while I was in, you know, Nepal and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it, it definitely varies a lot on the mountains. Like in Nepal, I actually had a good amount of time. Well, like, not an amazing amount of time, like two days before, two days after to kind of just explore Kathmandu. Um, So I always have like a few days, but some, it usually is kind of a more getting it out situation just because I've been in high school. So it's, it's just so hard to find the time anyway. Like usually it's over, you know, pushed into winter break. Um, I like try to climb a mountain or like um, a short time in the summer, but, but yeah, it's, it's very hard to, it's been very hard to like find that time. And I, I definitely want to, there's so many places I want to explore so many places. I, I love traveling and just experiencing new cultures and people. So, uh, so yeah, I'd love like in the future, hopefully, I mean, college, I probably won't have that much time, but after college, even like just, yeah, taking more time to, to really like appreciate, just like, spend more time in the places that I get to go to. Cause yeah, it has definitely, my life's been very a little hectic recently <laughs> for sure. So you got, you, you squeeze these in on like breaks. It's not that you're taking time out of, of school. Cause I just think that it would super interesting. What did you do over winter break? Oh, I hung out with my friends and watched Netflix. What'd you do? I climbed Mount Everest. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. I try and I do miss it like some school for it for sure, but I try to like keep it to a minimum because it's, it's hard to make up this, <laughs> that work for sure. Right. You know, your, your teachers aren't just like, Oh, never mind. You don't have to do your work. <laughs> I, occasionally so actually this like semester they were really nice they're really it was really great because uh, my school allowed me to graduate a semester early oh. so that I could um I mean I I did all the requirements and everything to graduate but but yeah they were really amazing about about you know like giving me the opportunity to do that and my coach as well so um so yeah so I got to graduate actually in December in order to do Everest and I did Aconcagua which is the highest mountain um, in South America. And like you said, I was able to go over to Africa and do mission work there um, with the world water and sanitation crisis. It's one of my passions. So I was able to go over to Kenya and live there for seven weeks. So it was, it's been amazing. No, I think that's, that's really cool for sure. Yeah. I, I guess um, I want to kind of get into the, the ESPYs thing. I know that's, that's what's coming up next. Um, you, you won a, an award there, the Billie Jean King award. Talk a little bit about what that award is. Cause I think it kind of ties into some of this 
extra extra work that you're doing, and then also what it, uh, I guess, what it felt like to to realize that you were nominated and that you that you won something. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm super excited for for that. It's actually well, by the time this comes out, it'll have happened. But right now, mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna leave for it tomorrow. Um, but the actual award, the Billie Jean King Award, is um, typically for athletes that are just doing something really profound, really changing their sport in a way. Um, but this year in specific, it's about um, women and bridging the gender gap within your sport, mm-hmm. um, which is very cool. Just because it's you know the uh, the anniversary of the of of all the the movements to, you know to get women into sports. So. Um, so that was amazing. All the, the title nine things. Um, Mm -hmm. but so I was a recipient of this award because through my climb on Everest, I, I sought to, you know, bring awareness and to really, um, just fight to, to bring more women in the outdoors. And, um, with the, you know, the money and all the award, I'm actually starting a scholarship, um, that will hopefully be, will be a yearly thing, um, with, so it's, uh, through the All Summit Scholarship Foundation, which is an amazing organization that seeks to bring women into the outdoors um, and, you know, be guided by women um, and just, you know, create these opportunities for, for people who who maybe they can't financially um, get into the mountains or they don't know much about it. They just want to learn more. Um, so I'm hoping to to start this um, this scholarship that'll that'll create opportunities for people to get like expeditions in the to the mountains. Um, so that's that's really cool. Um, just not only to receive the award, but to be able to to really give back to this sport I love and and to help other people discover their love for it. Now that's really really awesome. Congratulations with that. That's that's really cool for sure. Thank you. Yeah, and I know you just mentioned it though. You know the award comes from you know not just the amazing things that you've done being able to you know summit these mountains but the amazing things that you're doing outside of that for for some of these other passions so talk about some of those you mentioned it already with uh, water step and accessible drinking water and some of this other stuff so tell us a little bit more about uh, you know those, that side of your passion yeah yeah i i've been involved in the world water and sanitation crisis for a while um my family i've had a a friend that lives in uganda and her family didn't have access to drinking safe drinking water so when i was 13 my family and i were able to actually put in a filter um that gave her and her family and her whole village um, safe drinking water so ever since then um like just having that experience and just seeing the way that that so many people in this world live and how you know how privileged we are here um, in the U.S. to have just, you know, drinking water at the, our fingertips. Um, just seeing that really just like gave me a passion to for for the world water and sanitation crisis. So I've done a lot of work with this um, charity called Water Step that is based out of Louisville, Kentucky, where I used to live. Um, and and yeah, I have like an Etsy shop now where I where I um, all of the donations go to Water Step and to um, to just creating safe water projects in Kenya and Uganda, and um, and I just you know I try to use whatever platform I have, which right now is mountaineering, um, to raise money and awareness um, for the water crisis. And in college, that's I'm going to study public policy and minor in social entrepreneurship because after college, it's something I really want to want to you know my career to be in. Yeah, I think that's that's really cool too. What made you? I know that you're going to to USC, so you're going all the way out to California and running track, which is another part of your world is is running. Um, why USC? 
yeah um a big reason is because of the running the track is an amazing program mm -hmm. and i love the coach um he's an amazing guy um, and i think i'll connect really well with him for sure um and then another part of that is just the academics for what i want to go into is mm -hmm. academics have always been really important to me so mm -hmm. um so that, that usc is an amazing school for their for public policy and business um, so i'm super excited for that and then also just i've never lived anywhere with you know mountains and i know la mm -hmm. isn't like the most you know, right in the mountains or anything, but it's close enough, like being on the West Coast. Um, I love the beach as well. So, you know, it's kind of got beach mountains either side of it. And I'm just so ready to, to get into that world to really, you know, be able to climb more, um, do some rock climbing, things like that. So that's a big draw for me for sure as well. No, that'll be awesome for sure. And you talked about kind of the, the mountains around that area, but that kind of makes me think, I guess in the future, you're doing all these huge mountains and you've got the, your whole rest of your life climbing mountains. I wonder if there's just the rest of this time is just going to be like, ah, this is, uh, this is small potatoes just in my own life. You know, I went, to, <laughs> I went to Costa Rica when I, about five years ago and did zip lining through like the rainforest in Costa Rica. Wow. And then for the last five years, you know, I've done all these different zip lines around me and I'm like, ugh. This is nothing. This is, mm -hmm. this means nothing. This is silly. So I feel like you've set yourself up now to all these other mountains are just going to be like yawn material for you. Yeah. I, I mean, it, yes and no. I feel like I just love, like, oh, I love the mountains so much that they're all so different too. Like every single one poses a different challenge and you can find way, like you can find more challenging mountains than Everest. Um, just like different different rock faces different roots um there's so many ways to to change even one mountain um so i and I, there's just so many places i've yet to explore that i want to um and i know yeah calif like in the continental us there isn't a ton of you know huge mountains um but you know i want to i want to go to the andes i want to climb more in the alps um and and the, like in the Himalayas as well. So there's just so, I don't think I'll ever, you know, like run out of mountains or my passion for climbing just because, right. I mean, Everest was amazing, but there's just so many beautiful mountains out there that I want to climb that I can't wait to do. Right. No, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that because I feel like once you do kind of do get so used to it and then you, you, uh, you don't take it as seriously, that's when we're going to see like, you know, Lucy broke her neck climbing Hoosier Hill or something like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my gosh, I hope that never happens. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. But I mean, you've, I'm sure you've got to take them all. You've got to respect every mountain that you're on. Oh, for sure. Yes, definitely. And, it, and again, I picked Hoosier Hill because you literally are, can drive <laughs> up to the top of that. There's nothing. It's not even, it's just a hill, literally. <laughs> that would be very hard to break your neck on. <laughs> it would, it would. Tell us, you, you, you talked about the Etsy shop. Um, I want you to just kind of, plug all the different things you've got. I know you got TikTok, you got Etsy. Tell us what's on Etsy and exactly again, where those funds are going. Talk about YouTube, Instagram, whatever, whatever you want to plug, plug away, please. Yeah, for sure. So uh, my, with my social medias, my main one, I use probably Instagram. So my Instagram is lucy.westlake.22. Um, and I post about basically everything there. Um, and I'm recently I've been getting, um, I've been doing more TikTok. Um, so yeah, my TikTok is, is also like Lucy Westlake. Um, so yeah, just look that up. It should come up. Um, and then, um, my, my 
um, YouTube. I do YouTube videos like occasionally um, for big expeditions. I do like Everest. I made a YouTube video, Denali, and then some other like climbing ones. So, so that for sure as well is is Lucy Westlake on YouTube. Um, and then yeah, for my Etsy shop, um, that is Lucy Climbs um, on Etsy, and that is. I sell sweatshirts, I sell t-shirts and stickers, and there's like an Everest one. Um, there's just one I have like a logo um, for Lucy Climbs is my brand. So um, so my logo brand uh, and different, yeah, there's different options with that. So definitely check that out if you want. All, 100% of the profits go to Safe Water, um, to Safe Water Projects in Kenya and Uganda. Uh, and right now it's mostly through Water Step. Um, which is an amazing, I mean, if you go to waterstep.org, you can learn all about them. They're an amazing organization. Um, but I also want to kind of get into doing safe water projects on my own. And with, I work with my with my friend actually in Uganda um, on where we have a lot of ideas on what we can do with, with these safe water projects in the future. Um, so, so yeah, that's what the funds go to with that. Um, and then um, my GoFundMe is also just Lucy Climbs on GoFundMe. So that's, yeah, that's all my, all my stuff. I'm also on Facebook as well. Um, so lucy.westlake.22. Yeah. I saw you in an interview talk about how you're not very good at Facebook, which makes me feel like an old man because that, <laughs> I remember when Facebook's like pretty much started, or, have you learned Facebook better? Or are you still like a noob about Facebook? I just, I honestly just try to tie all of my Instagram, just like put, it'll yeah. post to Facebook. So that that's like yeah. why, that's how I do that. But yeah, no, I'm not very good at it. I'm not. That's, <laughs> I, that's funny. Instagram is definitely like my 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 jam. Yeah, I, I hear you there. Yeah, I mean, in in wrapping things up with the climbing and and your family, obviously, you're now you're going to do the ESPYS. You've done all this amazing stuff. You know, we talked about being jaded earlier, but what does your family say about all of this? I mean, you you've just accomplished so much, and now you're about ready to start college. So so much. At such a, a young age, are they just almost in in all of all this? Or are they like, yeah, yeah, Lucy, you're not that cool. Go go clean your room. <laughs> I I think they they definitely. I mean, we've all gotten a little bit used to it, but definitely, I mean, it's still it's still kind of like you know a shock for sure, especially yeah. after Everest. I had never expected all the this media attention. So mm. um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's something that's been really exciting in all of our lives for sure. And, and um, yeah, I know, I know they're really proud of me. So uh, it's been awesome having their support through it all. I'm sure they are. So last question is just what, what you hope the future holds. I know USC is, is in the immediate future. You mentioned the degree you want to go for, but if we were having this conversation in five, 10 years, where, where do you hope you're, you're at? Yeah. So, um, I'm, I definitely going to take it like just one step at a time college sure. next, um, grant hope focusing on the explorers grand slam, but, but I hope, um, in the future, if my running goes well, I'd love to get more into marathoning. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, that's something I want to do after college or at least like, you know, that long distance running and, you know, maybe see if the Olympics are a possibility. That'd be amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, and yeah, just get more into mountaineering. I want to just explore, you know, like, more of the Alps. I, I recently like visited there and I actually love them so much. So I would, yeah, I'd love to get into more of like the technical side of climbing with that. I love it. Well, we will stay tuned and I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Yeah. It was great to talk to you. 
So that was Lucy Westlake. What an amazing person. You know, you can't help but be inspired by just the feats that she's accomplished and then to have accomplished them at the age that she is. I have no doubt in a few years, maybe even less, we're going to be talking about her being the youngest person to do even more things, including that uh, the Explorer's Grand Slam. No doubt about that. And, I, and I'm just fascinated and, and excited to see what else she's got in store between USC, between her Etsy shop and all the work she's doing on the watershed projects. Just uh, an amazing person. And at It doesn't matter if she's 18 or 88. She's accomplished so much and she's got so much more uh, impact to make in the world. And I'm looking forward to seeing what that is. So Go check her out on her website. I'll put that in the show notes, lucywestlake.com. Go check her out on all of her social media. Go to that Etsy website. All of that will be in the show notes. Of course, go check us out. The contest from last week is still going on. 100th episode last week. Thanks for everyone who has already entered the contest. But for those who don't already know, celebrate the 100th episode. I'm giving away 100 bucks. Whether it's a gift card, whether it's a gas card, we'll talk about what makes the most sense for you. Uh, If you're not a U.S. resident, we'll get that converted to your currency. Um, But all you have to do is go follow us on Instagram. Leave a five-star review on Apple or Spotify or both. Leave a written review on Apple if you have Apple Podcast, And email me or DM me on Instagram, let me know you've done both, send me some screenshots of that, show me that you're engaged, and you'll be entered to win that 100 bucks. So 100 bucks is 100 bucks. so might as well enter. I can't imagine that it'd take you more than 30 seconds to do everything you need to do that. So ask you um, to do that and, uh, and get you entered. Those who have already entered, super happy about that. Thanks so much. Yeah, what an amazing week, amazing person. Go check her out. Enter that contest, so they'll follow us, all that kind of great stuff. But, uh, yeah, until next week, take it away, Chris. This has been Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff. Thank you for listening. Be sure to join us next time where we will interview another amazing guest who is sure to make you laugh or make you think, or, hey, maybe even both. But until then, keep being awesome.